And well, this morning, I'm excited because Pastor Nate Ortiz, he is here with us in the house, and uh, he is our network youth director, also brand new. He's our SEU Ohio campus pastor to go with. I don't know which one I should lead with, but uh, he is a just a man of God. And uh, just real quick plug for SEU Ohio, right in Columbus at Polaris, we have an amazing AG school that we get to be a part and associate with. And uh, if you have young people, if you are a young person heading towards college, they have tons of degree programs. It is amazing. Love to have as many students go there as possible. And now Pastor Nate gets to bring the word, do all those things there. And right now, Pastor Nate, coming to the stage. Thank you so much for being with us and speaking. Come on. Thank you so much, Pastor Chris. I'm honored to be here this morning with all of you. And so this is, you know, uh, really, really an honor. Um, thank you, Pastor Chris. Um, you know, it's a great privilege to be the uh, network youth director, to see youth ministry all throughout Ohio, to travel it extensively and see what God is doing. It's a huge blessing. And, um, you know, it's a huge blessing to be able to preach this morning just because uh, this is my family's church. Uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Rachel, they are our pastors, and we are blessed with some of the best pastors. Can we show appreciation for our pastors this morning and who they are, true kingdom people? And I don't, and I don't do that just to give humble or um, hollow honor, but it's it's true. We are very blessed by the grosses and uh, also Dave and Kay who uh, plowed the way and pioneered uh, what we see today. And so we are blessed as members of this church. My uh, my family, they give their, their love this morning. Uh, my wife, Lisa, and my two boys, Amari and Gianni, uh, the Ortizes, we are in our own journey of fostering. And so we got a uh, little guy last night, and so uh, bless God. So they are doing the kingdom work uh, in that regard. So they're watching online. Hey, boys. Hey, Lisa. Right? Um, but um, this morning, um, if you are, are taking notes, I am going to be preaching a message called Honest Prayers. Honest Prayers. And so this morning, some of you, you might know me. Some of you, you're like, I don't know who this joker is. But listen, I am here to tell you that I am madly in love with Jesus. And I consider it an honor to talk about Jesus and how he's changed my life, okay? My short bio is I didn't grow up thinking, you know, I'm going to be a pastor one day. I know this is what I'm going to do. I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't my trajectory. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I was blessed with amazing parents and amazing siblings. But I can tell you, um, I got called into ministry when I was serving at a, um, at a place you might have been blessed by its ministry before, um, Chili's. You might have heard of that place. Yes. That was my, that's where God called me to ministry. And it was strategic because I was serving people. And that's where God really began to pull my heart in that I was in, in college. Um, and so here I today. And so this morning, um, as we talk about honest prayers, I believe that every believer should develop a lifestyle of honest prayers because of these three truths the Bible shows us. Now we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 6, going through verse 13. So if you will be that, uh, that anchor of scripture. But before I get started, I want to kind of talk about when I say honest prayers, right? That just seems almost like an oxymoron. Like, shouldn't every prayer be honest? Isn't that the kind of why would you lie and pray? Okay, you know, this guy doesn't know a lot who's speaking this morning, right? I want to talk about it a little bit this morning. When I was first coming up in, in ministry, there's things that you learn. There's stories that happen. The older you get in ministry, the more stories you have, right? And so I remember the first time I was leading young adults ministry, and I had this missionary come in to share with our young adults about the mission work that he was doing. And he, I said, you know, what's, what's better than a missionary to even to share their story of how they come to know the Lord, right? What is your salvation story? The moment that you said, you know, this is where I first received the Lord. 
And so this missionary was older than I was, and, you know, I'm thinking this is, this is going to be great. And so he gets up, and he starts sharing his testimony. He didn't grow up at church at all. He was uh, at a service, and, and they give this altar call, and, and he's at the altar. And then the pastor even says, hey, let's, let's go into this, this other room, and I want to pray with you. I feel like, I feel like God has a, a purpose, a plan on your life. And so, you know, this, this you know, missionary is telling the story as he was a younger man, and he doesn't know the Lord at all. His first time at church, he's hardened to the whole thing, no interest. But this pastor's talking to him and encouraging him. And it gets to the point, you know, the missionary says, that I go to say the sinner's, you know, the sinner's prayer. And the pastor tells me, lift up your hands and just, and just speak to the Lord. Just speak to the Lord. Tell him what's on your heart. And this, this, he tells the story. He says, I lifted my hands and I said, Jesus, take the away. We'll say stuff for Sunday morning. But he didn't say stuff. And he says it on the mic in front of all the young adults. So there's a lot of things happening right now. Everyone's like, did he literally just cuss on the microphone and run church? So I, I walk up and I just put my arm around. Like, that's like the pastor's thing. Like, put an arm like, hey, you know, in America, that's probably not a real good thing to, to say, you know. Um, we, you know, there's some things that translate in other countries that this means something different here. And he, he goes on to say, he's like, brother, sometimes God would appreciate an honest curse word than a crooked hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> the lessons just kept coming that, that, that night as the missionary was sharing. But I share that story not to condone that language on a microphone, but to say this. For a young man who didn't know the Lord, that was an honest prayer that he prayed. That he said, God, I'm broken, and there's a lot in my heart, and I need you to take it away. Honest prayers. What is an honest prayer? Of being aware of yourself in the moment. That's not for just those who are far away from the Lord. That's for someone who's been serving the Lord for 40 or 50 or 60 years. But they say, God, help me to be aware of what you have for me to do today, in this moment, in my life. Listen, I always just say, God can't bless who you pretend to be. And God can't heal what you refuse to let go. If we are saying that we want to know the Lord, God can't bless us if we just pretend to have it all together. But in our private time or at home, our life is a mess. And we just put on the front when we come to church. God can't bless that. And God can't heal what we refuse to let go. If we have hurt or bitterness, unforgiveness, God can't heal it. If we hold it close to ourselves. It's like going to a doctor and the doctor saying, hey, you have a broken arm, but there's also an infection taking place. And you say, that's okay. Don't worry about the infection. Just treat the broken arm. It's not going to work. You can put a cast on, but the infection is still going to be there. God wants to have every single part of your life. And I, I work with young people, right, and I understand, right, you know, we, young people can sometimes have the mentality like, well, when I, you know, down the road I'll get more serious about my faith God. I'm living life. I'm, I'm experiencing what comes my way, all these kind of things. But listen, God's not interested in us just being good moral people. To say, well, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I'm a good Christian. No, no, no. Do you know what God really wants from all of us? Our life. That's what he wants. You say, that's pretty heavy. I agree. 
But here's the encouraging news for you this morning. Jesus will never ask you to do something he hasn't done himself. Because here's the thing, it's always worth it. We're going to read Matthew chapter 6 if you want to turn there in scripture right now. Starting in verse 6. Obviously a very familiar passage of scripture, but we're going to read through it this morning on this Pentecost Sunday. It says, but you, when you pray... Go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Right? Many of us have maybe... You know, maybe you're on a sports team and you would say that before a big game. Maybe some of you just heard it in a movie, right? It's a very familiar passage of scripture of Jesus himself sharing how we should pray. And it's a very honest and it's a very pure prayer. Obviously, it came from Jesus. But here is the truth that I want to pull from it when it comes to having a lifestyle of honest prayers. The first thing is honest prayers will lead you to holy moments. When you have honest prayer with God, it will lead you to holy moments. In verse 10, Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, for me this morning, that is a powerful uh, prayer because this prayer was not just in theory. This, the, the time was coming where Jesus, where what he prayed and what he believed was going to intersect. Now hear me. There are times in your life with what you pray and what you believe are really good intersect. Because there are things you can pray about, but you really don't believe it's going to happen. There are things you can pray about and say, God, I want to see this happen. I want to see this. And the opportunity comes and you don't respond appropriately. It's always great. Listen. It's great to stand on a, a stage and just preach something that sounds good. But what's more effective is that when there's not a microphone in my hand, I'm living this thing. If I never touched a microphone again, if Pastor Chris never preached again, or Pastor Rachel, right, that in our lives people say what we see is what we get. That we would be in the place to say, Lord, help me that what I pray I also believe. That these aren't two parallel things that just kind of coincide in our lives. That when we pray it, we believe it. It may not happen in our timing. It may not happen how we think it's going to happen. But we pray and we believe. In Matthew, we're, gonna, we're in Matthew 6, but in Matthew 26, here's where it is for Jesus. He's praying in the garden. And right before Jesus is taken into custody, the scriptures say his soul was exceedingly sorrowful. I want to pause there. I can't imagine what it would be like to see Jesus exceedingly sorrowful. Right, when we see, maybe you've watched The Chosen or you've seen some other uh, depiction of Jesus, right? 
you know, you, like maybe it's a picture. Jesus is like holding a lamb and like, you know, with kids like, hey, you know, like I'm a fun Jesus, right? Um, right? You might see some of those things. Or maybe you're watching The Chosen and Jesus is just so composed. My favorite scene in The Chosen is like, I think it's like the third episode where he's like sitting with all the kids and just sitting there listening to him. I'm like, man, that's so good. If I could, if I could just get my kids to do that, bless God. Right? This is what we think of when we think of Jesus. But imagine seeing Jesus sorrowful. Right? The disciples, like, they're seeing Jesus like, man, Jesus, like, being kind of a downer. Quit being exceedingly sorrowful, right? (laughs) But he was in this place knowing what was ahead of him. And he prays in verse 39, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 39, uh, the scripture says, He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So you can say something in Matthew chapter 6 to say, right, oh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Doesn't that sound great? But it's another scenario when you're in the garden and you're exceedingly sorrowful and you're saying this is hard and difficult, but still I will stand on what I said in Matthew chapter 26, that it's not my will, but your will. A holy moment will test the honesty of your previous prayers. What is a holy moment, you ask, right? It's not just some Christian jargon. We just say, well, have holy moment. Like, okay, what does that look like, Joker, right? A holy moment is where you have the opportunity for God to increase and for you to decrease. Coming together in church, this is a holy moment. We're saying, God, there's things I could be doing. There's other things that I, I got going on. But this is a moment where I choose to decrease and you to increase in my life. When you go to work, when you're in the community, you have the opportunity to say, Jesus, let me not just rush into my house so I don't make eye contact with my neighbors. Right? Oh, they're going to keep me out here all day if I make eye contact. Let me get in the house real quick, right? Holy moments to say, Jesus, help me to see people like you do. Help me to put my agenda on the back burner and your agenda on the front burner. Holy moments will take you farther, falling face down and calling out to the Father, just like it did with Jesus when he was with his disciples. It says he went a little further. He fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my Father. I could tell you this morning, honest prayers will lead you to holy moments that you say, Lord, I can't do this life on my own. I need you. The second thing that I want to talk about when it comes to holy moments or um, honest prayers. The second thing is honest prayers require obedience. Ooh, that word obedience. Bless God, right? We could preach sermons upon sermons about obedience. But I'll tell you this morning, God honors your obedience, not your intentions. God, I was going to do this, but you know. Or I would have done this, but life, right? God knows all these things. Even in the midst of chaos that is happening in this world, I tell you who is not on the throne nervous, God himself. God is not in heaven saying, man, I want to build gyms in India, but these gas prices, ah, the stock market, ah, right? God will accomplish his will. He's looking for people to operate in our obedience. Listen, while Jesus was praying in the garden and feeling sorrowful and alone, 
I wonder if he thought back on conversations and messages that he preached. Right? Telling people to come like a child. Telling people to be the greatest is to serve. But realizing all those moments are hinging on him in the garden. Going to that cross to die. That takes some serious obedience. I believe your obedience to God is linked to how you serve those around you. Even though Jesus was currently being let down by those closest to him, he knew his purpose was to serve them by laying down his life. Imagine Jesus operating to the place of obedience, of laying down his life, and the people that were closest to him are sleeping. I can tell you I would have some words for those disciples. They wouldn't be nice ones. They said, you, you can't stay up and just pray with me? I'm about to go through the toughest moment of my life, and you're sleeping? Then to even know another one of his disciples, Judas, is going to betray him. But still Jesus was obedient. Right? God honors the obedience, not our intentions. Right? In Matthew chapter 26, verse 40 and 41, it says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our spirit may want to do these things. Our spirit may feel called to to go further with God and to expand his kingdom and to grow as an individual in Jesus Christ. But our flesh sometimes get in the way. Oh, I'd pray in the morning, but it's hard to get up. I would make it to church, but that grass is not going to cut itself. Or I would do this, but God, you know, right? We have to be in the place to letting our spirit lead our lives and not our flesh. And that's hard and that's difficult. But we have to do it. St. Augustine says this. He says, pray as though everything depended on God and work as though everything depended on you. Listen, we need to be a people of prayer and obedience. Having these honest prayers even when things are difficult. Even when things are challenging. Or you're not sure how things are going to play out. Maybe it doesn't make sense what you're praying. Are we still going to be obedient? Because here's the reality. The kingdom of God serving Jesus will never call you to comfort. And if you say, I think it does, we are reading two different versions of the Bible. The kingdom of God following Jesus, it's always going to pull you further. It's never going to say, hey, I found you, stay right here. It's going to say, keep going, keep going. And I remember the first time this became a reality to me. It was about 2007 when the recession hit. And it was a unique time for everybody. People were losing their jobs or businesses weren't doing as well. And maybe some of you, you know, you didn't feel the effects of the recession, but and our church was very, very real at that time. And I remember sitting in a staff meeting and having this conversation with the whole, or pastor having a conversation with the whole staff saying, listen, uh, we have to, you know, this wasn't like a tightening the belt. This is like we have no belt, right? It was like, and having just honest conversations about what the future looked like and pay cuts and maybe having to let people go. And I remember God convicted my heart in that moment. Because I was the youth pastor, and I felt very called to that city. I felt very called to the teenagers there. And I thought, man, what am, what am I going to do? What am I going to do if I'm not getting a paycheck? What is this going to look like? I'm going to go back to Chili's and sell fajitas. Oh, my goodness. It's like, right, all the thoughts running through my brain. 
And God convicted me. The Holy Spirit convicted me. He said, are you called to paychecks or to people? And it's amazing the things that we pray. Are we, and we say, God, I know you've called me to do this, but are we able to stay obedient to it? Let's be people who pray and are obedient, and we don't stop praying. Honest prayers. It leads you to holy moments. Honest prayers will require obedience. And the third thing I want to say is honest prayers demand forgiveness. Prayer is such a powerful, powerful tool that we have as believers. Prayer isn't just meant to, you know, just kind of talk to God periodically or, or we just do it in the morning and we do it at dinner time and that's it. But we should be people of consistent prayer. When we're driving to work, when we're with our families, when something's going on in our lives, we said, Jesus, help me. Right? Holy Spirit, guide me. Give me the words. Give me the insight. Give me the wisdom. But when we pray, when we pray these honest prayers, we have to know this, that it will demand forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of those things in our lives that we don't even understand the true significance and importance of having unforgiveness and how that will rot you out from the inside. I can't forgive this person what they did to me. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's an ex-spouse, maybe it's a child that, you know, you've grown up and has really hurt you, or maybe you can't forgive yourself. Unforgiveness. In Matthew's chapter 6, right after Jesus, after the Lord's prayer, Jesus says amen and he continues and says you must have forgiveness. Again. So he says it in the prayer, forgive people, amen. And by the way, he goes back into the forgiveness thing. He says, you must forgive men and their trespasses. Your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men and their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. My father... He grew up uh, in Central America, moved here to the States, and uh, didn't have a great relationship uh, with, with his dad growing up. It was just very rocky. And I remember my dad was just saying, he, he said he was a, he's, I was bitter. I was very bitter at life. I was bitter at my situation. I was bitter at all of it. And he told me when he came to know Jesus, he said, this is what he told me. He said, Jesus, if you're real, if you're real, teach me how to laugh. That was my father's prayer. Because he knew, right, with the unforgiveness that he was having in his heart, maybe to situations, that he couldn't hold on to that. And as he got older, he had a great relationship with his, with his dad. It got better. But listen, this morning... We want to be people who forgive other people. We want to be people who walk in love and walk in grace and who aren't offended by all the things that we see. But that we could be people who have light hearts because this is what Jesus modeled. In verse 20, and now Matthew 26, right? You know, Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about forgiveness. But in Matthew 26, after disciples are sleeping, and Judas comes into the garden. 
Jesus refers to Judas as friend. Friend? Jesus, I, I don't know what, I don't think you understand what friend means. A friend doesn't sell you out for money. But Jesus knew what he was called to do. Honest prayers demand forgiveness. And this morning on this Pentecost Sunday, I want to share my heart with you. This message that I preached, I can tell you, it's not because I, I, I think I'm some great communicator or, or I just, I'm going to put together this word, I think it's what people want to hear. But this is something, I, I'm telling you, we need to be people of honest prayers. We need to be people who are modeling, saying, Jesus I want to model what you have laid out, and I want to live my life that says, not as I will, but as you will. And when we begin to pray these honest prayers, when we begin to say, God, I don't want to be comfortable. I want to go further. That's when we begin to see God move and work in our lives. I can tell you that with all that's going on in the world, we need to be people who are praying. That we tap into our most valuable asset, the Holy Spirit, to give us wisdom, to give us the words to say. That people say, where'd that come from? I don't know, the Holy Spirit. I took an SEU student out to eat at some, you know, cool, trendy uh, taco place that was far cooler than, you know, I am. I'm more like that Taco Bell, but, you know, this, you know, this was like, you know, cool, you know, you know, college age. Like, yeah, this is, you know, this is the cool place to go. Like, all right, let's go. And we're at the table, and our, our waitress comes up, and this is true. She comes up, and she says, whoa, your aura is, like, really good. I'm like, girl, that's the Holy Spirit. Come on, get the aura. Get... Better check yourself or you wreck yourself, girl. Come on. Right? But when you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and you understand the power, you understand the authority that comes with that, you walk more boldly in this life. If you think that becoming a Christian is just coming to church and singing songs and going home and going to small groups, you are missing it. But having a relationship with Jesus Christ means, oh, so much more. I grew up in church my whole life. And on this Pentecost Sunday, one thing, I grew up in a spirit-filled church. And the one thing that we would hear, right, we would hear about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Back in my day, it was called the Holy Ghost. <laughs> For those saints who remember that, right, with the Holy Spirit. You know, now it's like the third person of the Trinity. No, back in that day, it was like the Holy Ghost. And that's how they said it to them, the Holy Ghost. And they would talk about being baptized in the Spirit, evidence of speaking in tongues. And I was of, of the mindset, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. And they would give altar calls. If you haven't been baptized, the evidence of speaking in tongues come forward. There was little Nate Ortiz. Right? Like veins popping out. Like, come on, Jesus, do it. I'm ready. Wait, did I speak in tongues? No, I did. Okay, come on. You know, I'd leave the altar. Anything happen? Nah, nah. Right? And then, you know, other times would intensify if you grew up in church. I may mean, have, like, the whole church praying around me. You know, like, all right, come on. Hands on his belly. Come on. Speak. Nothing. Until one day, I was 19 years old, and I was at a church service. 
And I, like I said, I have been in church services all my life. I have, like some of you, you have, like you've got some of your best naps in church. I mean, like I was growing up in church. Like my parents were always the last one to leave. I'm like, I'm just going to sleep underneath this pew, right? Just let me get underneath there and just get cozy, all right? Some of you just blessed. We're sitting in these nice theater seats. I don't know about some pews, right? Some, like some hardwood just made from Noah's Ark just in there. Like that's all you had, right? Ain't no one going to sleep on that, all right? So I would go underneath the pew. And I, you know, but that's, I just grew up church. I've seen church services, but I was a part of this youth ministry, and we were in an inner city church. And it was very inner city. I mean, it was like the liquor store was like right across the street, you know, just like inner city. We're just there, and we're praying. And it was a very powerful service, very powerful. And I, I've grown church, so I've seen lots of different things, lots of different things. But in this service in particular, I was just you know, some would say an armor bearer for the person who was speaking. So essentially, I was the spiritual water boy. In church circles, they say ar- armor bearer sounds more spiritual, but I was just the water boy, right? Making sure the man of God was hydrated as he's, as he's preaching and, you know, praying for people. And I'm, like, holding his towel. Like, you know, you ever see those preachers where, like, when they're praying, like, they're praying, right? They're not like, oh, Father God, we just, no, they're like, they're like calling heaven down, right? And so they're sweating, and I'm giving water. And so I'm praying, you know, they, he said, pray for me as I pray for others. I said, I can do that. But I will tell you, after 45 minutes of praying for someone as they're praying for others, you kind of run out of stuff. You're like, Lord, just take the first one I said earlier and apply it now. But then something unique happened. The man who was preaching was an ex-Marine, very in shape, um, the opposite of me. And so he was there praying for people. And then I'm standing right in between the preacher and then this woman who looked like a, a, very, a very nice lady. She looked like a very nice lady. And the preacher goes to pray for her. And there's no, nothing that could have prepared me for what happened next. Immediately. I saw the woman clench her fist and punch him right in the face. I'm not talking about a slap. I'm not talking about a hit in the chest. She clenched her fist and punched him right in the face. And I'm standing right there like this, like, like now I need, I need a water boy for me, right? I'm, my mind's like, what do you do? I'm 19 years old. She just punched this guy in the face. And I'm not joking. He looked right at her and he said, you shut your mouth, you foul spirit. And instantly, this is a true story, she begins throwing up right in the middle of the church. And you know what's even more crazier than that? The lead pastor of the church has a wastebasket, just walks himself over and puts it down in front of her like this has happened before. Like so calm, like, oh, don't worry, we got it. We got our demon possession bucket here. We'll just put it right there. She's good. Like, everyone else is calm, and I'm like, what is happening? People are getting punched. People are, you know. But in that moment, tongues flew out of my mouth. Let me stop here. Not because I was scared. Not because I thought, let me just, like, I'm, like, just reaching out for something. But it flew out of my mouth. Because here's why. A verse is like in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, the battle we fight isn't against flesh and blood. 
but is against the principalities, the powers of darkness, the spiritual wickedness in high places. That verse came alive. And something in my spirit said, we have just reached a new level of intercession, folks. We are going to higher altitudes. And in that moment, I decided, God, whatever you are asking me to do, I am going to go further. I will be scared. I will not know what to do. But Jesus, if you are with me, no one could be against me. And this is the moment where it says Nate Ortiz has to decrease and God has to increase. But we have to be honest with ourselves before God begin to do these things. So if I could ask the worship team to come up. And if I could ask you just to stand to your feet in this room, if you're able to. I know we don't know each other all that well. Some of you I do. But the message that I bring this morning isn't just something, just a emotionalism. We don't need emotionalism. We don't need just some spiritual pep rally to pump us up. But what we need is an understanding of the authority that Jesus Christ has given us and that we must operate in. It's amazing, right? Sometimes as believers, we have enough faith for Genesis 1 and 2, but we don't have enough faith for Acts 1 and 2. Well, we believe that God has created the heavens and the earth. Right? We believe that he created man. And woman. But when we get to Acts 1 and 2, right, there's a pivot. There's a pivot. Because Jesus says, I am going. But I'm going to send you a helper. The Holy Spirit. That he will give you authority and power. That there are going to be situations in your life you're not going to have enough experience for. You're not going to have enough money for it. But you are going to need to pray. I don't want to live a small life. I don't want you to live a small life. But I want you to live a life that says if the Bible says it, I believe it. If the Bible says that he has sent his Holy Spirit that we would have power and authority that when we pray, that when we begin to pray in other tongues, that there is authority, that the, the Spirit gives utterances to God, that we don't even know what we're saying, but he is our communicator. He is our advocate. He is our helper. This is the kingdom of God. That we can walk places and listen. Pastor Chris and Pastor Rachel aren't going to go everywhere you go. Right? There's going to be a situation where maybe you have the opportunity to minister to someone. And you can't say, hold on, let me call my pastor. Let me see if he's available. You should talk to him or her. Right? But God's going to say, I need you to do it. Because you have the Holy Spirit. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to close our time with this. And I want to open up these altars. We understand altar times. Some of us have been a part of them for many years, right? And this is the time where you can begin to reason with yourself and say, what's the big difference if I, if I go down to the altar, if I stay in my seat? Right? I've been to the altar hundreds of times. I've prayed for this and God hasn't done anything. But what if today he does something? What if today is the day? 
This morning, I want you to pray some honest prayers. The honest prayer that says, Jesus, you know where my heart is. Maybe things you're struggling with. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's been uh, disobedience that you've been functioning in. Maybe it's been not giving God the holy moments that he desires. Or maybe you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but you haven't done it in a long time. Maybe you've been seeking that gift that it hasn't happened yet. Maybe this morning is your morning. But I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to be honest with yourself this morning. That God, remember, God can't bless what you pretend to be. And he can't heal what you hold on to. But this morning, as the worship team leads the song, these altars are going to be open. If that's you, that you say, I need to have some honest prayers with God this morning. About where I'm at. Maybe you've let the flame die down. Or maybe you haven't been praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you just got discouraged. Whatever it is, either one of those two, may you come down to the altars this morning and seek God. Seek Him this morning, church.